Okay, back by no one's demand but our own from our home office here in sunny, scenic quarantine. Absolutely beautiful today, by the way. Nashville, Tennessee, it is the award-winning 615 Sessions podcast powered by Two Rivers Ford and brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. So, (laughs) the Tennessee Titans, it's been a minute since we've discussed them. Obviously, the... Friday edition of the podcast after Thursday Night Football was played. The result, not favorable for you, and we are going to discuss what exactly is going on, not just with the Titans defense, not with the special teams, not with the punter, the kicker, the cornerbacks, or otherwise, but with the offense that continues to be held scoreless or gets outscored regularly in the second half of games. We have Teron Davenport of ESPN.com and former Titans wide receiver Nate Washington today, as well as your Music City mailbag questions all ahead. But first, I have to tell you about our friends at Two Rivers Ford. Not just the best car buying experience in Middle Tennessee, not just the most trusted name and brand that you've been working with or that you've heard about supporting the local community in Middle Tennessee for almost 40 years, but the best when it comes to customer service as well. Not only can you go to Two Rivers Ford, the dealership out in Mount Juliet, for no appointment service, which they are pleased to provide for you and your vehicle with no appointment necessary. All you got to do is stop by. They do mobile service, which is a new feature that Two Rivers Ford is now proud to offer all of their fine customers. They have basic service such as oil changes, brakes, and batteries, and they can come to either your home or your office. They'll hook it up. It's why they're the best in the business, Two Rivers Ford or online at tworiversford.com. Let's get to Nate and TD. Back here, 615 Sessions podcast on the GetBeast.com Zoom line. The stars of the Nate and TD show Friday nights at 7 p.m. Central Time on 102.5 The Game and wherever it is that you get your podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. Teron Davenport of ESPN and former Titans wide receiver Nate Washington blessing the pod this afternoon. What's going on, boys? What's going on? It's always an honor, but <laughs> Please. This is uh, this is about the this is about the lowest level media appearance that either of the two of you will do. But I'm always appreciative of uh, of our friends' time. We were. We, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The Nashville Voice is that what it's called? The Nashville. Oh, the Nashville. See, yes, this is award. This is an award winning podcast. This, so, you I've know. definitely seen the awards, books. Well, that's it. That's because I'm good at self promotion, Nate. That's the only reason we've seen anything <laughs> about the award. That's the only reason. That anybody's seen it, but it's okay. I'm right up there with the best cheeseburger in town, so I'm happy for the award. Me and the best cheeseburger in Nashville. Shout out to Nashville. That's dope. Anyway, <laughs> so we had we had a plan to talk about <laughs> to talk about you know the Titans' offense. They're struggling as of late, among everything else that's going wrong with them, as they literally fall out of the playoff picture with everything that came to pass after a loss to the Indianapolis Colts on Thursday Night Football. But TD. We got some news that just come come in the inbox. Just dropped a little, just dropped a little nuke right in the middle of the pod. Yeah, crazy, right? So, a player has tested positive, and he's been placed into isolation. 
it, it, it just it just keeps going on. You know, I, another what I thought of when I when I saw it, the Browns had a guy that tested positive as well, and uh, you know these two teams play in in three weeks. It, it's just continuing to spread throughout the the league and throughout this country. It's just I mean this has become I don't want to say normal, but it, it's not shocking when you have someone test positive like this. I'll be I'll be honest though, Nate. I got a little PTSD from the last round of Titans uh, of the Rona Titans. I can't I can't live that way again, man. I I don't need to do that to myself or anybody else. I tell you what, man. Whoever wins GM of the year definitely deserves it, man. This has just been a hectic year for a lot of these organizations and shuffling guys in and out has been mandatory. You know, as as we've had uh, a good friend of ours um, on, on last weekend, and what he said was, One monkey don't stop no show. The circus must go on. And that's how we look at it. No question. No question. So David Long has been placed on the NFL's reserve COVID-19 list uh, and in a corresponding move. Give you, sprinkle a little good news on the bag because that's the way Titans PR likes to do it. Shout out Robbie Bourne. Uh, Darrington Evans, the running back, has been activated, or excuse me, has been uh, placed in the return, uh, the return process off of the three-week IR. So we 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 begin with that, but we will not linger on that too much, as that's about the only information at this point that we have is literally that dropped as soon as we started to tape the podcast. Meanwhile, uh, you got the Titans at six and three. It's come a long, it's been a long, it feels like an eternity since they were literally at the top of the division and getting ready to square off with, uh, with Nate's undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers remaining undefeated at this point through 10 weeks of football. Uh, they have since lost uh, three of four, all three to AFC teams, and now they go from the class of the conference to the nine seed and out of an expanded postseason because the Miami Dolphins, it appears, are good. The Cleveland Browns have leapfrogged them because of, uh, of a better win percentage against common opponents because they were able to beat the hapless Cincinnati Bengals and the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, and you have the Oakland Raiders, or the, rather the Las Vegas Raiders, who uh, just win, baby. They're out here doing it, and they are now in the fifth slot. So what we are going to diagnose over the course of this pod with our friends Teron and Nate is what the hell's happening because – it seems to be a failure at every level. But the thing that strikes me, Nate, as I've watched this team over the course of the last couple weeks, all the attention has been focused on the defensive struggles and the special teams issues. And by no means are those excused at this point. But the thing that I think has been slept on in a massive way that is causing this less than, uh, less than satisfactory defense to see more time on the field is the offense that was one of the most efficient in football not a month ago is falling apart. What, what have you seen over the course of the last month from Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, and them boys? Um, just a consistency to remain – you know, the offense that they've been uh, throughout the time of the 5-0 and run. You know, I think, you know, they were a very physical and disciplined offense. Um, obviously, the loss of Taylor Lewan has changed a lot of things for this offense and the outlook of the interchanging offensive line. But, you know, I, I truly believe that this coaching staff under Mike Vrabel is a no-excuse you know, type of team. They're going to go out and they're going to put the best guys on the field 
to perform the best way that they can. But when you face a situation where guys aren't making the plays that they typically make on a consistent basis, you know, last game was a rough game for AJ and a couple of drops that he had, you know, and uh, the inconsistency with Ryan in the low red zone as of where, you know, this team has truly been one of the high scoring uh, offenses for a reason because they've been so efficient in the red zone and being able to sustain drives uh, with third downs has been killing them. You know, they, Unfortunately, we've we've seen a decline of Adam Humphreys and his ability to help this team out and sustain drives on third downs. You know, now a lot of these drives are becoming third and long as of where, especially with this type of run focus, physical type of offense, you know, you want to get into a third and short or at least a third and medium four to six yard opportunity. But a lot of that has been, you know, due to penalties, due to misplays on first, second downs. These guys are ending up in third and long. So at, at the same rate, they're going to have to get back on track. You know, I talked to the, about this on me and TV show uh, back with the Bears game, and I was under the suspicion that they would get things back on track and, and continue that that climb back to their success. But you know, here it is. We're finding ourselves trying to find still the identity of what they want to get done. Are they going to interchange these running backs? Are they going to you know create just now off the of play action and make sure that Ryan has an opportunity to lead this team? Or what do they want to do? They're going to have to get back to the structure and the basis of what they were doing throughout the five and over run. Teron, we thought they did that. They couldn't have been a prettier first series from Arthur Smith in that offense against Indianapolis, against the best defense in the sport right now. Indy is legit. They are elite on that side of the ball. And yet, Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, uh, A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, they went right down the field. They got up 7-0. They got up 17-0, and then they got shut out in the second half. If I was to tell you, Teron, that since week six – since the Houston Texans game, they have gone three and out on 27% of their series after doing so only 12% of the time in the first five weeks. What, what on earth do we attribute that to? Well, Nate touched on it, and this is something that we talked about on last Friday's show. It's something that I asked Mike Vrabel on Thursday. Simply put, who is going to be – that guy that's going to consistently show up for you in a passing game week in and week out. And is it frustrating not having that guy? And Mike Vrabel, one thing that, that you could rely on, on him for is never throwing a particular player under the bus. But the fact remains, they need somebody that's going to step up. When it's third and six and you absolutely need that completion to move the chains, you need somebody that you could go to. Unfortunately for the Titans, that guy is sitting on – the concussion protocol and understandably because he had a double hit. It was the hit that the, the player Jesse Bates delivered and him hitting the back of the ground, uh, his back of the head hitting the ground. And that actually, you know, was a double whammy. So I understand him still being on the uh, under uh, protocol. I, I am not saying to rush him back, but that is the guy that was their situational person on third down. So how many times have you seen Adam Humphreys, spot up just beyond the chains, catch the ball, and, you know, the chains move. And that's something that's definitely hurting them. He's been out the last two games. But then in addition, there's just no rhythm. There's no I, – I, Arthur Smith himself, he's not in a groove. He's not – the only time I could say he was in a groove, it was two drives. Well, three. The one that you mentioned to open the Colts game, but then also that second drive when they went shoot or shoot, ran the ball down. Uh, the, the Bengals throw, and then that drive where they got A.J. Brown at the touchdown on that screen. Other than that, I haven't really seen consistency 
as far as the play calling and just him being in the groove. And I think that's been a serious issue. Uh, the injuries are a problem. The the teams making second half adjustments to combat what the Titans' offense was doing so well. They're they're the they're the third worst team on first downs since week six. They are they are only better at this point than the Dallas Cowboys and Washington on first down plays on first down efficiency, and it completely takes Derrick Henry out of the game it is it's it's a it's a it's a snowball effect that we're seeing with the Tennessee Titans offense and it's causing this defense to play 60 70 snaps from week to week in a way that we we had talked to Shane Bowen and Mike Vrabel about earlier in the year Harold Landry needs to play less snaps in order to maximize his efficiency they only play with three outside linebackers anyway for reasons that are, are beyond me that's that's a that's a situation that I can't for the life of me figure out, especially with the way that things have gone over the last couple of weeks. But now it's not just the defense. It's not just the special teams. The thing that they're best at is failing them, and they cannot seem to find they cannot seem to find their foothold again, Nate. And I'm wondering, against the Baltimore Ravens, who lost a game last night inexplicably to the New England Patriots, turnovers, the weather was bad, and you saw a couple bad snaps that put Lamar in a bad situation. But now they go on the road. They face Baltimore at on the road in Baltimore. They go to Indianapolis, and then they're back here for the Cleveland Browns who sit over them in a tiebreaker position. I, 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 I mean, this team could end up 6-6 six and six in a way that, I, I, I mean, would be unthinkable not a month ago but is much, much more real given the way that we're seeing them play right now. Well, here's the thing, and you kind of touched on it as well. It's just the transition throughout the game of the inconsistency. You know, they came out on fire, and I will say this, you know, sitting in that, that, those organizations in the football locker room, you know, you go over film, you know, even dating back to the beginning of the season on certain opponents that you may face. When you face those certain opponents, you're going to get a first, and they call it a uh, first 15 uh, plays that you're going to have structured. And a lot of those players are your killer plays. Those are the plays that you're going to know is going to be successful. Those are the plays that you know is going to establish and start your game. Well, here's the thing that I'm seeing. As an offense that has, you know, such a wild joker like the Derrick Henry in their uh, deck of cards, you go out and you know whenever you slap that joker on the deck, it's over. But at the same time, once you go out and you start to begin to deal that next game and you're not knowing if you're going to get that joker in the second half, you have to be able to adjust. And that's what the Titans are lacking here. You know, um, we always and I've always been a big fan of Arthur Smith and his ability to know the game and the offensive coordinator, coordinators that he's grew up under. But, you know, there's also a certain thing, even like the, uh, the, the Seattle and Patriots Super Bowl, where Pete Carroll, you just outthink yourself. You put yourself in a situation behind your, your, your one joker card that you have in Derrick Henry, and you believe that, you know, that, that joker is always going to trump everything, but here it is. You believe that people start catching up to your hand and know when you get that joker in your hand again, now you panic and you feel like you may play it out of place. And I just feel like that's what's happening a lot of times with this offense throughout the duration of games. They're not making the adjustments that are going to be necessary in order to sustain, you know, uh, shorter third downs and give themselves an opportunity to remain in a pass run uh, option, but to also go in a, and give guys like AJ Brown and um, 
Corey an ability to do what they do best, and that's run routes off of play action. When you get guys in longs, uh, third and longs and, and those things of that nature, play action is not going to be best for you. Now you have to go to a regular offensive-based pass, and a lot of times this offense is just not built off of that. So somehow, some way, they're going to have to find a better way to establish themselves, not only on that first and 15 of the game, on first and second down, but when it's called, when it's third um, quarter and fourth quarter and you now come out of the locker room and that other team has made the adjustments to know what you're trying to get done, you're going to have to have a counter in your bag. And at that same time, I just haven't seen it from the Titans. And Arthur Smith is definitely going to have to find a way to stay structured with his strategy, but also make sure that he has a counter if someone's trying to stop it. I have a feeling this is going to be the subject matter of a whiteboard Wednesday coming soon to a Twitter timeline near you. Of course, you can follow our good friend Teron at T Davenport underscore NFL, who's talking shop, breaking it down every Wednesday on the whiteboard. TD, if you were to give Art one piece of advice heading into Baltimore, given everything that we know about this defense and their susceptibility to the run, uh, give, give the people a preview if you would not mind. I don't mean steal your content. I know we got to leave the good stuff for Nate and TD and talking with TD. Subscribe, rate, <laughs> review. But give the people a preview of how you would attack this Baltimore defense if you were Arthur Smith. Well, here's the thing. The Ravens use so much man defense, so I think it's really time to incorporate some man beaters. And actually, I'm going to put something together that I saw earlier this year that I, I think really needs to happen against the Ravens defense. And when you look at their corners, I mean, they have the absolute trust in Jimmy Smith. Now, I'm not sure Jimmy Smith's going to play, but that's one of the guys he's playing as well as any of their corners. We already know that Marlon Humphrey is a very good corner, and Marcus Peter, he remains one of my favorite corners to watch. So those guys are very capable of, of, of manning up and doing what they need to do. So that's why you'll see Wink Martindale, their defensive coordinator, put them in man, and that gives him the liberty to, to blitz. I mean, there are times – you remember a couple of years ago, you, you know, it was the, the shutout game, and every snap it seemed like all of Baltimore was coming after Marcus Mariota. And that's what I think they're going to continue to do. And the thing with the Ravens that's pretty interesting in watching them is they're solid blitzing against the pass, of course, but, you know, it, it's almost like they're defending the run on the way to the pass. Uh, to the quarterback, you know. So that's going to be interesting just seeing how that plays out. But I think if you could get some quick man beaters, that's going to help a lot. And that figure, Calais Campbell, is going to be out. We're talking about six, seven, with a wingspan standing in the middle of that line. Normally, making it harder to find the passing lane, it's not going to be there. So I think this way is something that they definitely should give uh, uh, the Ravens defense some trouble. It's a crowded division right now with, with the way that Sunday's games have come to pass. We talked to Mike Vrabel about this today on the Zoom call. He, he knows where they're at. And this is we've – been, we've been beating them up a lot lately, rightfully so, because the decision-making is questionable at times. But as it was last year, almost at this very point, seems Nate has evaporated. There he is, evaporated from the Zoom call. Uh, but I look at this and I say – you know, I think Baltimore can be had. I don't think this is the same team that we saw last year. I think that they are very susceptible for what it is that we think that the Tennessee Titans do well. It's just a matter of can we see a consistent performance, not even, not even, from, not even complimentary football-wise, because I've given up on the defense, to be honest with you. I, gi I give up. Like I, 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 give up, I give up on complimentary football. I give up on the, on the rotating cast, the punters. 
Uh, Steven Goskowski is is uh, almost a six of seven from 50-plus, but he can't hit it from inside of 50 yards. I don't understand what the hell's going on with this team, Nate. But I tell you uh, that if the Tennessee Titans do what they have been capable of doing through the first five weeks um, and, and try and regain that foothold against a defense that has been historically good but can be had in this particular game, uh, they, they need a get-right game in the worst of ways, and it would be shocking to see it come against Baltimore, uh, but I do think it is possible. Well, one of those things that you mentioned about this Baltimore team is their um, inability right now to match other teams' runs. Um, you know, I think that this will be the game where the Titans can do what they do best, and they have to be unapologetic about it. You can't go in here into this game on third and two calling bootlegs. I understand, you know, these guys may be getting paid on the other end as well, but it's that it's that time of the season where the Titans are going to have to make a, make a decision. The players, the coaching staff, of what they want the back end of their season to be. As you stated, this is very much looking like it could definitely come to a 8-8 eight and eight season, which could be very disappointing. And I've also alluded to this on my Twitter feed that, you know, if they don't correct the things that are necessary, it's going to be appalling of the fans and very disappointing of a lot of people. But here's the thing is, as, as they face this Baltimore team, I'll totally agree with you. You know, they're going to have to find a way as an offense to keep their defense off the field. With that being said, they have the perfect offense set up um, to do that. You know, running the ball, maintaining the time of possession, keeping Lamar Jackson and that high potent offense off the field. They'll definitely be motivated to bounce back off of their performance from last night. So I'm pretty sure they'll be as ready as ready as possible. But, you know, when you look at this Titans offense and what they're able and their capabilities and, and what this Baltimore Ravens defense is lacking, this is a, a, a game where the Titans are going to have to go out, be unapologetic about what they do, which is run the ball. I believe they're going to have to switch up run ball carriers. Um, I would love to even see Ryan in some RPO. You know, it's something is going to have to change with this offense when it comes to the run game and their attack, not to just be so systemic with their inside the tackle run, the gut plays, and the off-tackle plays, but hitting this thing downhill, allowing that, that Derrick Henry train to get rolling. And once that Derrick Henry train gets rolling, then the rest of the Titans become the Titans. You know, um, the defense will probably pick up. The special teams will feed off of it as well. It, it reminds me a lot when I was young in Pittsburgh, my, my rookie year, and as good as we, we were deep decent as an offense, but we were the Achilles heel of the heel, I mean, of the team. But when that defense went out there, our Pittsburgh Steelers defense went out there on that field a lot of times, we found juice from them. We found motivation and, and, and those, that momentum flow from them. So once this offense gets back on the track, does what they do unapologetically, Derek becomes Derek again and begins to enforce that pain that he can on the defense to where that, that third middle of third quarter and end of third quarter team just can't take anymore. I think this team can get back on track with this, but they're definitely going to have to keep Lamar Jackson off the field. Teron, I, uh, I, one, I'm going to miss my road dog this weekend. It's my first road trip of the year. And, uh, and I hate that. Uh, I hate that I'm not going to have the full complement of, uh, of Titans media family alongside. It breaks my heart. Uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I don't know what the food, the food setup at the Baltimore press box is going to be, but I'll be sure to give you a full <laughs> Rona edition review on social media. Um, with, with everything that's come to pass over the last, you know, 10 weeks at this point of football with them, what, what do you question most about the Tennessee Titans from coaching, from players, from, from just the entire outlook at this point, given what we thought they were at the start of the season, 
to where they sit now out of the playoff picture and kind of kind of gasping for air? It's a combination for me, of, uh, and both things are tied into the secondary. It's a combination of the coaching and just the execution. And, again, you go back to the Colts game. It's fourth and two. You have Malcolm Butler playing eight yards off the ball, a guy who is their best press corner. And then you have Desmond King and, 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 and Kevin Byer playing off as well. And sure enough, they run a quick speed out type of play. And, and you know, that takes Desmond King out of the way. Byer's playing off and the receiver hooks up and it's a, a first down. And these are things that just can't happen. That to me is coaching, right? Having the guys play off that way. But then when you look at, um, you could go back to the, I think it was the second quarter where they, they had, they actually did have the guys play press and, and, and Zach Pascal. And it was another one of the fourth down conversions. They had what, three of them against three the, five. the Titans, right? So it, this one was Zach Pascal. He ran an outbreaking route. It was a switch release where they ran this way. And one of the corners on the outside got picked. And Pascal had an easy catch, and it was a first down. That's execution. That's failure. And what's the word you hear? But every time, whether it's Kevin Byer, Rashawn Evans, oh. uh, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, Mike Vrabel, um, Shane Bowen, the Titan Raccoon, whatever his name is, they all will tell you the same thing. What? Communication. And that's what – there was a breakdown on, on that particular play. So it, it's a combination of the two. You can't just say it's the coaches. You can't just say it's the players. And that's why I know people hate to hear it, but Mike Vrabel, when he says we have to coach better and play better, he is right. But, you know what, after a certain point, you know, that can't be something that continues to happen. And that's what, what's going on. And that's why they, they've lost three out of the last four games and, and why they are outside looking in. I mean, they've gone from 5-0. and to the number nine seed in a matter of weeks. Can't do it. <laughs> you can't do it. You, you simply cannot do it. And you, and you can't continue to tell us that, you know, we need to coach better. As you're saying, we need to coach better. We need to play better. And then nothing gets resolved, right? It's the same issues that have been plaguing them each and every week. They're, they are who we thought they were, except now uh, it's costing them in, uh, in much more detrimental ways now I told I, I've kept you guys longer than I said I would Teron has news to break Nate's got children to raise they don't have time to be messing around on this podcast but where you can get this great analysis for the people is on Nate and TD every Friday night on 1025 the game they're chopping it up they're talking shop they're bringing all kinds of titans and NFL legends on the show it's a great program you'll be smarter for listening uh, just as we have gotten a, a, a preview here on the, uh, on the 615 sessions. Guys, I always appreciate you hanging out. Yeah, for sure. No problem. Well, appreciate you, fam. Okay, so shout out first and foremost to Nate Washington and Teron Davenport for bringing it strong in the midst of breaking news. Literally, as we were getting ready to hit record on the Zoom is when the Darrington Evans and David Long Stuff came into Toronto and I's inbox. So we had to improvise, rather, and I thought we uh, survived and thrived quite well. You have submitted your Music City mailbag questions. Normally we do five good minutes on the Tuesday pod, but since things are kind of wonky after Thursday night football, we thought we'd switch it up and we'll flip-flop them this week. So I have quite a few to get to 
First and foremost, though, I got to tell you about the way that Nate and TD joined us via the Zoom line, brought to us, of course, by Tame the Beast. GetBeast.com, promo code BEAST2020. I don't know how many times I got to tell you guys, but I cannot tell you enough, especially as we near the holiday season. They have great gift packages prepared for you that you can order at GetBeast.com. You can use that promo code and save yourself 20% off on great holiday gift ideas. We're starting to ramp up. We're starting to get closer to the holiday season. You need to give the gift of better scent, and what better way to do that than with self-care? That's what, honestly, that's what 2020 should be all about is self-care. The easy gift set with wash for everyone, soap for everyone, and a aluminum beast bottle that you can reuse. The bathroom elevation set with a hand wash bottle. The beast candle, which I love. It smells incredible. Clean burning, long lasting, and coconut wax. I have one in my office. You can put one in your bathroom too. It'd be great for you. Along with great things like the hand wash bottle. And you can make your own if you so choose at GetBeast.com. There's a variety of different ways to customize your Beast gift package. And you can do so by saving 20% off at GetBeast.com with that promo code BEAST2020. All right, your mailbag questions in the Music City mailbag here on the pod. All right, we'll start with Warner08. Of course, you remember that you can slide into my Instagram DMs at Buck Rising, R-E-I-S-I-N-G. That's where we'll hook it up. Warner says, hey, Buck, I have a random question for you. This is Friday after the Titans were defeated at the hands of the Indianapolis Colts. He says, do you remember a game in the recent past where the Titans have lost at all three levels? I was trying to remember a game where the Titans got beat on offense, defense, and on special teams. So... The most recent that I can think of is probably, there's actually probably two examples, and both were shutouts, uh, between the 21-0 game in 2018, Mike Vrabel's first year against the Baltimore Ravens. Marcus Mariota got sacked 11 times, and that was when the defense was still playing at a relatively decent level. Flacco got picked off twice, if I recall correctly, by Kevin Byard. So the defense tried to do their part and they just could not get anything going offensively. So you don't want to necessarily say that the defense failed in that particular game, even though the final score would indicate a blowout. Then there's the 16-0 uh, shutout, also against Joe Flacco, but this time for the Denver Broncos that I've spent much time on this podcast and on every platform talking about it, the worst football game that I've ever seen played, where... They were inept, but the defense was still really doing their part. It was more about Marcus's inability to get things going. He was clearly shaken up, not physically. Well, we don't know, actually, physically, as you've seen now him be the third quarterback benched behind Nathan Peterman on the Oakland, or excuse me, rather, the Las Vegas Raiders roster. So I can't think of one, now that we talk about it in recent memory, as we kind of just sit here scanning past or scanning through the last four years of Titans football games that I've watched. There's been some sucky games without question, but not one where everything has completely fallen apart. And I mean, in fairness against the Colts, like it's a hugely deflating loss. In fact, it may be the most deflating loss since I've been here in Nashville, given the stakes, given who you lost to, given the ineptitude. 
But they started out that game fairly competent on offense. It just fell apart in the second half. So, there, of course, there were failures, but they weren't flat-out, like, game-long failures, if that makes any sense. Like, you did give yourself a chance to win in that game. It's just the special teams cost you with the touchdown, the punting situation, the shanks problematic. You can't have the Goskowski miss field goals. As, as much as I've tried to, not even that I'm trying to spin the numbers when I wrote that article for AtoZSportsNashville.com about why, why the numbers and the percentages are skewed the way that they are, given how good the Titans' red zone offense has been um, and the lack of opportunities that normal kickers get where Goskowski is not getting them. You, you have to make these kicks, and of course the defense continues to be complete and utter ineptitude. Whether it be the defensive backs playing as far off the receivers as they are, that's an Anthony Midget, that's a coaching problem. Whether it be the inside linebackers where you see that clip going viral on Twitter as we record this on a Monday, that is when the clip is surfacing of Jayon Brown, Rashawn Evans against the Colts, they're trying to fill the same gap. There's a communication issue, obviously, and Naheem Hines bounces it to the outside, and there's nobody there to recover because Jayon Brown and Rashawn Evans are both sitting in the A-gap. It's, I mean, it just, it, it, when, they, when they lose like that, they re- I mean, they really, really want to make you guys feel it. And I, I don't say that to pile on, but I've, I've seen some fairly deflating losses for your favorite franchise, and I just I can't think of one that sucked the life out of you, even as you sit six and three, that sucked the life out of you more because it's just the same problems that have come to light and no clear resolution yet as to how the coaching staff intends to fix them. Maybe they can, and this will just continue to be. Because I'm looking at this, I'm looking at this next uh, this next three-game stretch when you're on the road with Baltimore and Indianapolis, then you come home for one of your two remaining home games against the Cleveland Browns who currently hold tiebreakers over you. And I, uh, I got to say, I don't, feel, I don't feel great about it. All right, we move on to Brandon Jones, who first got me on Twitter but then slid in the DMs, as is the custom. And he says, do we miss Casey or Ryan Moore or a DC question mark? Talking about Jarrell Casey, Logan Ryan, or the lack of a defined defensive coordinator. So, I mean, we've been over this a million times, and it's not, you know, it's not Brandon's fault. I, uh, I understand that without a title, you guys are going to continue to cite this lack of defensive coordinator in there. When we've talked about it a million times, it's a collaborative effort between Shane Bowen in the booth, calling the plays, according to Mike Vrabel, and Mike down on the field, and all the position coaches who go into coaching up that week's game plan. We're told it's a collaborative effort, and listen, Jarrell Casey is a fantastic player while he was here. His body is failing him, and now you see where he is uh, just kind of languishing on the Broncos' injured reserve because they sold high on him. It's honestly a great fortune, even if the Clowney contract isn't working out the way that you wanted it to, to have Jadavion Clowney in his present form is better than what Jarrell Casey would have been, which is dead weight at the end of his career and a bloated contract that you were that you had on the books for quite some time. I know you're going to have a hard time believing it, but it's a good deal by John Robinson. Logan Ryan, it it hurts you because Logan was one of the most cohesive pieces 
in that secondary. And for a while, I thought, you know, okay, they they had the best version of Logan Ryan. And I, I still think that's true physically. You had the best version of Logan Ryan, and you let him walk when the contract was up. But it's coupled with the fact that there's clearly, <laughs> there's clearly issues, the things that they continue to cite when they're talking to us on the Zoom calls afterwards, is there's clearly issues with communication that just simply cannot be resolved at this point for whatever the reason might be. It's honestly inexplicable to me. So that, that comes back to the larger point is, would you have rather paid Logan Ryan the money that you did? Vic Beasley's contract hurts you much more, obviously, because that money could have been used for Logan Ryan, but you understood the need for a pass rush, even if Vic Beasley wasn't the best solution for you. The thing that you missed most is Dean Pease. Like, without question, because one... The defense is clearly not coordinated, not cohesive, discombobulated on every level. Two, you need somebody, and it's not like the coaching staff in the building under Mike Vrabel has no say about what goes down, but but ultimately there's got to be somebody, there's got to be somebody that Mike Vrabel respects that's not John Robinson, that's not his boss, that's on the coaching staff that can check him. And really, I truly believe the only person to be capable of that in that building was one, Kerry Coombs, or Dean Pease. And so those are issues that you find yourself in where it's not that Mike is a hugely unreasonable person, but he clearly is entrenched in his belief that what they are doing is going to work. And he is, as he told us after Cincinnati, positive It's not on the fault of a lack of a defined defensive coordinator because he, of course, is overseeing everything that they're doing, and he's monitoring it up close and personal. And, you know, it hasn't hasn't mattered. Trying to win a game. You know, we really haven't. uh, You know, I think that the message is, is this is what it looks like every year. You know, every team's, you know, a lot of teams are bunched up, you know, just like they were last year. Um and, and so we're trying to win a game. We're trying to put our head down. We're trying to focus on, you know, continuing to improve at this point in the season, knowing that, um, you know, teams going in, in different directions and, uh, and we need to, we need to improve. We need to focus on, on us uh, today and then, and then continue to, to improve and get on, going to get on to Baltimore. It just simply hasn't mattered. So the, out, out of the three, if you're making me pick Jarrell, uh, Jarrell Casey, Logan Ryan, or a defensive coordinator? I mean, it's not just a defensive coordinator, because you have one. It's Dean Pease. That's the thing that you miss the most. Cole Flatland, Flat 96 on Insta, says, Why do I care about this dumb team? Man, <laughs> uh, it's a fascinating question. Because, you know, it's not like, it's not like the Vols. You've been to a Super Bowl with the Tennessee Titans, but you never won a championship. You have won championships with the Tennessee Volunteers, and it's obviously a much more historically based, like historically embedded in the roots of this state program, franchise, whatever you want to call it, that, that as we mentioned, has won champions, championships. So it's, it hurts you a little more to be a Vols fan. Now, this, this particular dumb team... Um, you know, Cole, I honestly, I honestly, it's not that, it's not that I don't think that you should be. It's that I just, 
I'm not the person that you should ask. And this is, you know, that's a kind of that's a kind of dumb way to do mailbag questions, right? But like, I don't care about anything in sports the way that you guys do about the Tennessee Titans. I don't care about anything in sports the way that you guys care about the Tennessee Vols. I don't necessarily have the same fan experience, and that's not, you know, that's not to sound high and mighty or holier than thou, but like even with Indiana basketball. Like, I'm able to separate myself, because that's the one sports team that I care about in my life, right? It's, it's Indiana basketball, and as lovely as it is to see the Indiana Hoosiers 4-0 and getting ready to square off against undefeated, uh, undefeated Ohio State this Saturday, like, Indiana football is not something I've ever cared about in my life. Whereas IU has always been a part of, you know, that's where a lot of my family went to school, it's obviously uh, the history of Bobby Knight, and while I was there, Tom Crean, and they were the number one, te- uh, number one team in the country with Cody Zeller and Victor Oladipo and Jordan Hulls, Christian Watford, the, the buzzer beater my freshman year to take out Anthony Davis in the year that Kentucky en- ended up winning the title, his freshman year when he was one and done. But that was, you know, that, that is the most defining moment of my sports fandom. And even still... Like when they shit their pants against Syracuse in that Sweet 16 that following year when they were the number one team in the country and everybody was reportedly unhappy and Oladipo and Zeller had cleaned out their lockers. Like, I, you know, I stopped caring about it at halftime. Like, it just, it doesn't affect my day-to-day. So why are you a fan of a dumb team? Listen, it's not, it's not that it's, you should not be faulted. It's just that you're very, very passionate. I'm sure you grew up watching Titans games. I'm sure you have emotional connections to a lot of the players who have come before this particular team. And over the course of, what is it, 21 years now as a professional franchise here in Nashville, or in Tennessee rather, I mean, you've obviously grown uh, You've grown up with it. I don't, you know, I don't know how old you are, Cole, but I'm just kind of looking at your, not the creep, but I'm looking at your Instagram profile, and I can't imagine you're much older than me. Uh, and I'm 27, so I would imagine that this has been a this has been a staple of your life for some time. So it's not your fault. You're just a you're just a sports fan. It happens to everybody, um, except for me. <laughs> Dandy Isma, Dandy Dot Isma on the gram. Good God, Dandy, you could not have left me a longer question. But I, I my my voice may give out trying to read all this. But let's start. What's going on, my man Buck? I hope all is well with you, my brother. But I really don't know where to begin. Well, that's clear. I think the defensive front doesn't have time to rush the quarterback because the corners and other defensive backs are playing too soft. No one's pressing them at the line of scrimmage. It's one thing when you have Jonathan Joseph's corpse out there, but he's gone. So what can you blame it on now? Honestly, I think last night's game, talking about Thursday night football, was due to simply being outcoached. I would agree in a lot of that. Because we'll take this in parts. Because Dandy, Dandy, bless your heart, has left me a, uh, it seems to be a four-part message. So we'll start with the first part there. It is the coaching. Frank Reich out-schemed Mike Vrabel. The issues with the secondary continue to be coaching-related, which is on the fault of Anthony Midget. Uh, You see the situation with the linebackers who are not receiving the proper communication or not being able to work within the communication that they're being given from Shane Bowen and so it's causing confusion in every level of the defense because it's ultimately Jayon Brown and Rashawn Evans' job to communicate what they're called, the, uh, what they're getting, the call from the booth onto the field because they're the guys who wear the green dots on the helmets. All right, next part. 
As far as the offense, I think Ryan has been a little off, but I think it's deeper than that. I think the receivers are dropping passes. Arthur Brown outside on that first catch was pure butt cheeks last night. He's talking about the big drop in, it was either the second or third series against the Colts where, I mean, Tannehill couldn't have done a better job and, and AJ just let it bounce off his hands. What I will say to you, okay, well, this also has to do with the offense, so I'll take this in two parts. I don't think he was focused, and that's a rarity for him. I think we should have went to Corey Davis more, but at the same time, we need to talk about that offensive line not being as solid as it was before, which is fair, right? Because Taylor Lewan's not out there. So I guess my question is, why do you think the corners are playing too soft, and why do you think the changes in the offensive line, or do you think changes in the offensive line need to happen for the offense to be more in sync? So we talked about the corners and the coaching there. You know, A.J. Brown, it's not that he's allowed to have a drop pass. It's just in such a big moment for you guys and for them as a franchise, given the stakes of that game. If he's going to ascend to the elite wide receivers in the NFL right now, in that in that pantheon where you're talking about him in the same breath as Julio Jones and DeAndre Hopkins, well, at this point you can't, right? Because those guys make those catches. And it's not that he doesn't have time to become one of those guys. Because A.J., I think, has all the talent in the world. He's clearly your number one wide receiver. And everybody's freaking out over the course of today as we tape this on a Monday because he posted something on Instagram and he deleted all his football-related posts. And, and this is what athletes do. Like, it's, uh, you know, everybody's getting bent out of shape. It's not that deep, I promise you. I've, I've talked to some people. It's literally just uh, it's just a, a, a 20-year-old or 21-year-old or 22-year-old, however old A.J. is. Um doing what 20-year-olds do on Instagram. Like, it's, you know, it's a little dramatic, and it's fine. It's going to be okay, at least as far as A.J. Brown concerned. Now, the offense is a bigger issue, right? Because I heard this stat, uh, Hutton, Jonathan Hutton, our buddy from the Midday 180, was preaching this today, and I wrote it down. Since week six, since the Texans game, they have gone three and out as an offense 27% of the time after through the first five weeks doing so on only 12% of the offensive drives that they have. The offense can't carry this team anymore with the same flaws that they had during the 5-0 start, but the offense was, if not the best, among the best in professional football. So Taylor Lewan not playing uh, or not being a factor in this or not being available to you, obviously with the torn ACL, that matters. Adam Humphreys not being available to you to be able to help on these third downs when you're looking to convert and not go three and out. That is a big problem in the midst of all this. Ryan Tannehill is clearly under more pressure than he was through the first five games of the season, right? It, it starts and ends with the protection. The quarterback needs to be more comfortable. Otherwise, you start to see a little bit of shades of Miami Tannehill because he's capable. We've seen it throughout the start of this season. It's just when he is under duress the way that he is, and Jameel Douglas getting playing time is a big part of that against uh, against last week, or rather against on Thursday, Indianapolis, where it's one of the best defenses. It's the best defense, according to efficiency, in the sport. And Jameel Douglas is being asked to play two positions, and we know that Jameel Douglas, as a football player, is hugely underwhelming. And you would hope that Ben Jones and Roger Saffold, respectively, have used this time off in the long weekend to be able to get their bodies right so that they can proceed down the stretch because they'll see Indianapolis again. So I would say to you that the offensive line is a massive part of why these three and outs continue to pop up. And by the way, they're the third worst team in the, in the sport right now. And this, as we talked about 
with uh, with Nate and TD, this stat, again, courtesy of Jonathan Hutton from the Midday 180, they're the third worst team in the sport on first down as an offense. They're only better right now than the Bears, who we've just seen play an awful Monday night football game, and hopefully Nick Foles is okay after getting carted off the field. But the, the Bears and the Dallas Cowboys, who are both putrid to watch, and Dallas has been through, my, I mean, at this point, how many quarterbacks? Uh, I think I think four, right? Garrett Gilbert, Ben DiNucci, Andy Dalton, and uh, and of course, since Dak uh, has uh, experienced that awful injury to him. So, long story short, it's a, it's a longer it's a long question. It's an even longer answer. It appears dandy, but your issues are on the offensive line and with the coaching on defense. And Arthur Smith, honestly, getting figured out in the second half of these games, they get they got held scoreless. Against Indianapolis, that can't happen. They're getting outscored in the second half of these games um, at a pretty prolific rate, and it's because your offense can't stay on the field. The defense has to go back out there, and we all know what the defense is at this point. One of our favorites around here, Kerry Romero. Uh, I, forgive me, Kerry, if I've if I've uh, butchered your last name, but we love to see Kerry in the uh, in the DMs. Hey, Buck, what do you think the Titans, why do you think the Titans went with Trevor Daniel over Ryan Adams? I mean, why? Seriously, love your shows. Thanks for all you do for the Titans people, and thanks for answering. Well, of course, Gary, I'm happy to have you around. Okay, so the the decision with the punter, it sounds like they were looking for less of a line drive punt, which Ryan Allen was doing. I don't think, you know, the punt protection is a problem, because Ryan Allen to to kind of adjust for the for the straight shot or more of a straight shot with Ryan Allen's form they're trying to compensate for the punt protection that hasn't been there all year right it's a David Long problem it's an Amani Hooker problem for as good as Josh Kalu is on trying to block kicks he is a liability on punt protection so now you're looking for more out of your starters and i believe Koharski was the one who asked him about this today where, you know, are you going to have to see more starters playing significant snaps on special teams because you just can't get it out of the depth, guys? Mike, uh, Rabel wouldn't say it was a disappointment, but obviously you want to try and limit the snap counts of your starters to get more out of them on offense or on defense, but they were trying to adjust for the poor punt protection because it's been a personnel problem all year. And ultimately, it just bit him in the ass in a way where Trevor Daniel shanks one, they get one blocked, it goes for a touchdown, the punt protection a part of that as well. So, I mean, all you can do is sit, hope, wait, watch, and pray for the return of Brett Kern and the wrist uh, injury that has caused him to be on that short-term IR. I believe you still have a week left of Brett Kern on that three-week IR before you can designate him to return. And remember, just because you designate him to return doesn't mean that he's automatically available. There's another 21-day process that Darrington Evans has now since been activated or been designated to get closer to activation where these guys can continue to ramp up. And I was told it would be anywhere uh, from a, from a, uh, anywhere from a five-week injury on down. The severity of it, though, uh, we do not yet know. All we know is that Brett Kern, the best thing that you have done most consistently, not named Jarrell Casey for this franchise, uh, he can't do it right now. And that's that's costing you in 
a big way. Last one, Trey0617, Trey Forehand on Instagram. Slides in the DMs, light, late submission as we're 9.15 and we're taping this at 10.35. So first off, I love Coach Frabel and everything he's done for the Titans. The only issue is with him being the defensive coordinator. As we talked about, he's kind of not, but kind of is. He's a great defensive mind, but can't seem to get this defense back to where it was at the peak last season. Do you think he will at least reach out for help if he doesn't hire a defensive coordinator? Maybe just get some tips to help turn things around. I still have hopes for this team and hope they will build off the 5-0 start. That's one thing Coach Vrabel has wanted instead of trying to fight back into it at the end of the season. Right, his whole objective this year, and he's said it many times, and listen, Mike's Mike's dug you out of worse situations than this before. Um, It's just never really been on his side of the ball where these problems largely originate from. Because before before the kicker, before, well, actually, the kicker was a problem um, in the first game of the season with all the missed kicks, the four, the first four missed kicks that he had as a Titan, and everybody's looking at, at Sad Goskowski and Will Compton's hugging him on the sideline in Denver, and, and on and on it goes. So, But the defense has been a, a, a year-long thing. Do I think he will reach out to somebody? I mean... DPs is retired. He said on the midday 180 because he does a weekly uh, a weekly segment with them that he nobody has reached out to him from the Titans, and I think part of that is ego because Mike has a massive one, and part of that is you know they want to respect DPs in retirement. Like he's he's clearly happy to have retired. He tried to do it already once, and Mike talked him out of it. Right. So where he would reach out. I'm not entirely certain. And also, listen, we've talked about this before. Mike Vrabel has won at every level in his life, from from high school to college uh, to the pros as, as a Super Bowl champion, as a coach. He's been a part of division winners with the Houston Texans, even if he was a, a not a great defensive coordinator with Houston. Um, and even with the Titans, like he's been a massive part of their turnaround, even if the, the win-loss record does not yet reflect it from being better than Mike Malarkey with the 9-7s. I, I don't think that he would reach out outside of the building because I don't think I don't think that he doesn't think that he can't fix it, right? That's what it ultimately comes back to. What we talked about earlier in the pod with the mailbag uh, with I believe it was uh, I believe it was Dandy's question where you know, I mean somebody's got to be able to check Mike Vrabel. Can anybody do that in the building that's not his direct boss or Amy Adams Strunk talking about John Robinson and uh, and Amy Adams as the uh, as the controlling owner. I don't necessarily think that that person exists, and I don't necessarily think that Mike doesn't think that he can't do it. In fact, I know Mike thinks that he can do it because he's telling us he's positive it's not a lack of defined defensive coordinator because he oversees everything, right? And ultimately, Mike Vrabel thinks that the way that he does things leads to success in the long run. How much more... Uh, how much more much more time they have to uh, to realize the long run it's very much in in question because Baltimore lost on Sunday Night Football you have the ability to steal one on them and by the way you match up pretty favorably in terms of your offense and their defense but you can still be had on defense and that's where the problems continue to exist and at this point they have not yet been corrected 
And that's the Music City Mailbag. We flip-flop things. Five good minutes will be on Thursday, but you can always submit your mailbag questions in my DMs at Buck Rising, R-E-I-S-I-N-G. Slide on in there, and we'll get to them normally on the Thursday pod, this week on a Tuesday, because things are wonky with Thursday Night Football, and I wanted to make sure that we got to your questions within a reasonable amount of time, because a lot of you were pissed after, after the loss to the Colts, and I completely understand. So we've done that. We will tell you, as always, to subscribe, rate, review to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. And if you've already done that, tell a friend. Have them subscribe, rate, review. We're trying to grow this thing around here. And we have done so successfully with your help. You are the lifeblood of this program. This is your show. I'm just the one here talking. So subscribe, rate, review to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. Throw, uh, throw some five stars, if you would be so kind. I haven't seen many ratings here lately. I think the most recent ones... We're in October, so I would much appreciate if you would pick up uh, if you would pick up the pace on the five stars. That's how we help grow this show outside of word of mouth, which we're appreciative of. Also, also support the people that support this show: Two Rivers Ford and Tame the Beast, where you can give the gift of better smell or a new car, depending on your uh, on your price range for your holiday shopping. In the meantime, I need you to stay safe, stay clean, stay hot, Nashville. This has been the award-winning. 615 Sessions podcast, powered by Two Rivers Ford and brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com.